Good morning. Welcome to this uh, worship service of the Houghton Wesleyan Church on this uh, first Sunday after Epiphany. Let's stand together for the call to worship and remain standing for the invocation and the hymn to follow. May we read together responsively. Let us sing of the Lord's great love forever. With our mouths, we will make his faithfulness known through all generations. Let us declare that God's love stands forever, that he established his faithfulness in heaven itself. Righteousness and justice are the foundations of his throne. Love and faithfulness go before him. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim the Lord, who walk in the light of his presence. Let us pray. Father, we are grateful for this beautiful day, for a chance to be together to worship you and to fellowship in worship with one another. We ask that your spirit will visit us, be close to us today, and teach us what you have to say. Teach us to love one another as we love you as you have loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.
That's why we're here today, to praise the Lord, and uh, we're glad that you're a part of this time of worship. I want to invite you to share a word of greeting with others. As I've said to you other times this uh, winter, shake hands at your own risk, but uh, feel free to, to share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. Morning. How are you? A few things I want to highlight that are in your bulletin uh, in the life of the church. Um, this week we uh, begin back on our regular schedule of activities Wednesday nights, uh, children's ministry, youth, adult prayer group, and uh, we want to invite you to be a part of those. Next Sunday morning we go back to our regular worship schedule of services at 8:20, 9:40, and 11. And next Sunday evening we have the opportunity uh, to uh, be a part of a baptism service. Uh, we had, uh, I think, 10 people that were here yesterday for the first class. Uh, if you were not able to come yesterday, but you'd like to be a part of that baptism service next Sunday night, uh, just contact me this week. But uh, we hope that, that you'll be uh, put down your calendar. It's an exciting time in the life of our church when we have the opportunity to baptize believers. Uh, also, Wednesday evening, there are some ministry opportunities to work with uh, children. And you see the information in the bulletin related to that. There are uh, prayer concerns, always things that uh, we're praying about. Uh, pray for those who are connected to us uh, who are uh, in the hospital. Uh, Ruth Hutton had uh, surgery on Friday evening, and uh, it seems to be doing uh, quite well considering. Uh, we want to continue to pray for her and others. Uh, we also experienced some deaths in uh, the, the, the wider family of our church this week. Uh, Eileen DeBoer's nephew uh, died after a lengthy illness She's not here today. Uh, but we also want to uh, pray for the family of Pierce Samuels. Uh, after, again, a lengthy illness, he died earlier this week. Uh, and I want to uh, fill you in on the details of his arrangements. It will be at the Kirkville Wesleyan Church in Kirkville, New York, Wednesday morning at 11 o'clock. Visitation will begin at 1030 uh, for Pierce Samuels. And also yesterday morning, uh, Lucille Gallup, who had been a longtime member of our church, also died uh, the, her funeral service will be here Friday morning at 11 o'clock, and the visitation will uh, begin at 10, from 10 to 11 here at the church as well. And so we want to make you aware of, of these concerns and these needs and to ask God's grace and blessing upon uh, all the things that we are experiencing here and around the world. Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together.
with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the mention of your name. You may be seated. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12, and verses 1 through 25. If you'd like to follow along in your pew Bible, it can be found on page 272. 1 Samuel 12, 1 through 25. Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you said to me and have set a king over you. Now you have a king as your leader. As for me... I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these, I will make it right. You have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You've not taken anything from anyone's hand. Samuel said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and also his anointed is witness this day, that you have not found anything in my hand. He is witness, they said. Then Samuel said to the people, It is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your forefathers up out of Egypt. Now then, stand here. Because I am going to confront you with evidence before the Lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your fathers. After Jacob entered Egypt, they cried to the Lord for help. And the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your forefathers out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he sold them into the hands of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor. And into the hands of the Philistines and the king of Moab, who fought against them. They cried out to the Lord, and he said, and said, We have sinned, we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies, and we will serve you. Then the Lord sent Jerubbaal, Barak, Jephthah, and Samuel, and he delivered you from the hands of your enemies on every side, so that you lived securely. But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, No, we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord your God was your king. Now, here is the king you have chosen, the one you have asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve And obey him and do not rebel against his commands. And if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord and if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your fathers. Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest now? I will call upon the Lord to send thunder and rain, and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord 
when you asked for a king? Then Samuel called upon the Lord, and that same day the Lord sent thunder and rain, so all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people all said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants, so that we will not die, for we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil, yet you do not turn away from the Lord. But serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They can do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the singing of the doxology and remain standing. Uh, I'm sorry, and uh, the ushers will come forward to give of our tithes and offerings. Let us stand and sing unaccompanied our doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings Father, we give you back what is yours. Give us joyful hearts as we do it and multiply our gifts for your kingdom in Jesus' name.
Knowing how great our God is, we have the opportunity to pray together. And if you would like to use the altar rail as your place of prayer, perhaps you have a special burden about your own life, someone else, something in the world, or you just simply would like to pray kneeling at the altar rail, then I invite you to come and to join me as we pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, to say that you are great is is to talk about the vastness of the ocean by looking at a drop of water. By talking about the sand on the seashore, by looking at a couple of grains. And yet, Father, we come and express all that we can to you, and we declare today that you are truly the great God, the only God, the creator of all that is, the sustainer of life, the giver of life. And we have come today to worship you, And to declare your greatness. Father, as we gather in this time of worship today, we come with so much in our minds and our hearts. And we ask that you will meet us at our place of need. We pray that you will forgive us for feelings of bitterness and anger that we may harbor toward one another or even toward you. We pray, Father, that that you will help us to to put away the yearning for for self-gratification, the yearning for, for gaining more for ourselves rather than seeing the example of Christ who humbles himself and sacrifices himself and gives of himself for us. Father, we pray that you will forgive the sins that we commit against you and against one another. And we pray today that you will work your miraculous grace in each of our lives. Father, we pray for this world in which there is so much need and burden, pain and agony. We pray, Father, for people who are enslaved. We pray for people who are persecuted, for people who who do not know where their next meal will come from who do not have water to drink or food to eat or clothes to wear or shelter to protect them. And we ask that you will work miraculously in this world of need 
pain and oppression and greed. And we pray that we as your people will be catalysts for bringing about change in this needy world. Father, we pray that you will work in our hearts. This week, there is, there is much grief that we experience and feel. And we pray that you will bring comfort to every grieving heart. We pray that you will heal all who are struggling with the pains that come in these human fragile bodies. We pray, Father, that you will relieve our fear and anxiety and remind us that you alone are faithful and that you've promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And our relationships teach us to be grateful for all of the people you bring to enrich our lives and to lead us into your truth and to inspire us to greater depths of living. And we pray that you would open our eyes to your power to heal that which is broken, to bind up that which is wounded, to awaken what is stagnant, to bring life to what seems dead. For all the needs and burdens that are on our hearts today, in this moment of silence, hear our prayers. Father, thank you for your blessings that are beyond counting. It's because of all that you have done, all that you have promised, because of who you are, that we offer this prayer, the power and the presence of Jesus Christ, the one who leaves us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 11, verses 17 through 26. This can be found in your Pew Bible on page 1136. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 through 26. Let's stand together for the reading of the New Testament and remain standing for the song to follow. Hear the word of the Lord. In the following directives, I have no praise for you, 
for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat, for as you eat, each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else. One remains hungry, another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat in and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you drink, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Please be seated. Take our hearts and seal them 
for your grace. Help us to understand your word and help us to be different people as we continue in worship. Your spirit speaks into our hearts and we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. How would you rate your memory? Depends, right? I know for me, you know, I can, I can tell you the starting lineup for both teams in the 1968 World Series, the Cardinals and the Tigers, but I can't remember what I was supposed to get when I went to the grocery store. You know, you, the, the, we have these different things that we, we remember, we connect with, and other things we can't. And, and it seems as though our memory sort of fluctuates up and down. And, and maybe you feel like you have a great memory. You can remember facts and figures and things you're supposed to do, and maybe not. As I read a story, this happened probably 15, 20 years ago. A woman tells about a senior co-worker who were going on a on his business trip, and he was infamous for forgetting things. And she said, true to form, um, you know, the, he, he left a book on the plane. When they got to the hotel, he had somebody else's luggage. Uh, he left his camera in, in, a, in a restaurant. And when they got back uh, to their home, and they went out to the car, and he couldn't find his car keys, and come to find out he had actually left his car keys in the lock in the trunk of his car. Just hanging there. Those before you had, you know, the little fobs that you click. And the keys just hanging there. And some good Samaritan saw them and turned them into the attendant. So they're driving along and back to home. And he, he says, you know, looks like you're about out of gas. And oh, yeah. So he pulls into the service station. He jumps out. He pays for the gas. He's back in the car. And he says, you know, I would really appreciate it if you don't tell people that I left the keys hanging in the trunk of the car. People at work. I'd really be embarrassed by that. She said, Okay, but only if I can tell them that you just paid for the gas but didn't pump any. <laughs> you know, our, our memories kind of up fluctuate up and down and, and we have different thoughts about them. But what I've come to discover is that memory is, is so vitally connected to spiritual life. You know, what, our, our memories are, are essential elements of what it means to be spiritually vital people. How well we remember things has great bearing on our relationship with God and our walk with Christ. And, and I think that's a big part of what, what Samuel is trying to tell Israel in this passage that we've read this morning. Samuel's giving this farewell speech and... And he's telling them about the things that have happened. It's just a brief history of their nation. And one of, the, one of the saddest verses in all of Scripture is when Samuel says to them, You have forgotten the Lord your God. And the result of forgetting God is that when they come face to face with the world around them, and they see what happens in everybody else's world, they decide they would rather have a king like everyone else than continue to have God as their king. Here's a group of people whom God has said to them, I will be your king. This is the creator of the universe. The Lord of all says, I'll be your king. And they look around and say, you know what? We appreciate that. Nice offer. We kind of like the way these guys operate. We want to be like them because honestly, we don't think you're all that much different than everybody else. And Samuel says, the reason you've made that decision is because you have forgotten God. 
You've forgotten who God is. You've forgotten what God has done. You have forgotten God. And the reality of our spiritual lives, the vitality of our spiritual lives is directly tied into how well we remember God. Now, remembering God is not just about knowledge. This is not just some kind of theological trivia game. It's not excluding that, but it's so much more than that. We're not just talking about how many facts about God can you remember. It's about remembering God in such a way that it leads us to trust God. And there is a direct correlation between knowing and trusting. If you're driving down Highway 19 and you see someone hitchhiking along the road and you have no idea who they are, odds are you're probably not going to stop. Because something in the back of your mind doesn't quite trust picking up a stranger. But if you know them, hopefully you will stop and pick them up. Because you have a relationship with them. You trust that, you're, that they have a legitimate need. You trust them as someone you know. And you stop. And the more we know God, the more we trust God. But it comes back to how well we remember what God has done and who God is. And that's why Samuel gives Israel here this litany. It's brief, but it's a litany of the things that God has done for them. He brought them out of Egypt. He rescued them time and time again. And even when they turned their backs on him, even when they rejected him, God kept coming back to them. God kept being there for them. He kept forgiving them over and over and over again. And you and I, in our up and down, rocky relationship with God, need to remember that God is always faithful, that God is always good, that God is always for us. Because when we forget that, there are serious consequences. When we forget who God is, anxiety and fear overwhelms us. When we forget what God has done, we get crushed by the burdens of this world because we have nowhere to turn. When we forget God, life has a way of turning us and twisting us into places that leads us to pain, to hopelessness, to struggle. And in remembering God, we have a place in which to place our trust. We have a place in which to place our lives and know that despite whatever may happen, whether it's what we want or not, God is reliable because we know God is good and faithful and gracious and merciful and compassionate and true and just. How do you know those things? Because we have filled our memory bank with who God is and what God has done. And every one of us needs to create this repository of memories about who God is and what God has done. And we do that personally. We do that through the reading of scripture and prayer and solitude 
and meditation. And we need those things because what fights against the what fights against establishing a memory bank of God is all the noise and the busyness of life. How many times have you said to yourself, I'm too busy to read the scripture today? I'm too busy to really pray in any length, with any length of time. I'm too busy for that. It's because life pushes in upon us and we forget that the most important thing we can do is to fill our minds with God. To fill our minds with the scriptures. To fill our minds with with prayer. To be reminded of who God is and what God has done. To take time for silence before God. To meditate on God and his word. Nothing else is more important. But the busyness of life squeezes our time And we end up empty. And the noise. You know, it reminds me of how the Grinch stole Christmas. You remember that scene? Oh, the noise, the noise, the noise. And that's life. Our world is filled with so much noise. Auditory noise, visual noise. We even have have different ways of describing noise. We have white noise. You know, we we have all kinds of ways to describe all the kinds of noise that comes into our lives. And the noise keeps us from remembering God because it distracts us. And our attention is drawn continually to all of these impulses that are continually coming at us. And the only way to combat that is to take time away from it. Silence. Solitude, meditation. The world is not going to say to us, we're not going to be reminded by the world, you've spent time with God today, right? The exact opposite is going to happen. Everything else is going to be grabbing at our attention and unless we are intentional about it, the noise will overwhelm us. And then we wonder, why don't we have the spiritual resources that we wish we had? Why do we keep giving in to temptation? Why do we allow worry and fear to, to, to eat away at us and, and to destroy us? Because we have no foundation. We let the noise overwhelm us. But it's not just personal. It's also a corporate building of memories. We come together in worship because in this place, it's not just about us. In this place, we we sing songs that we like or don't like. And and we do things in worship that that may speak to us and may not. And we're with people that we're really tightly connected to and maybe people we're not connected to. But that's why the church is so important. Is because without the church, we would simply default to whatever we want to do in whatever ways we want to do it. And God has bigger plans for us than that. And God often builds things into our memories in surprising ways. He sneaks up on us. And when we come together for worship, we are forced to encounter things that challenge our 
individualism and and challenge our preferences and challenge our self-centeredness. But in those moments of corporate gatherings, we are building memories. We are building remembrances of God in our minds and in our hearts. This is why I keep coming back over and over again to the church calendar. And I know I talk about this a lot, but I just think it is so important. Centuries ago, when the church fathers sat down and said, how can we help people remember what God has done? They designed the calendar. And it's all built around the the life of Christ. Advent of preparing for Christ to come and Christmas, celebrating the, the coming of Christ, the incarnation An epiphany, the revelation of God in Christ, not just to one group of people, but to the whole world. And Lent, a time to to think about the passion of Christ. And Easter, a time to celebrate the victorious resurrection of Christ. And Pentecost, the time to rejoice and to be the church of Christ. And without that calendar, we get sucked into what the world tells us about how the year revolves. And those things aren't unimportant. But what we really need is a world that revolves around what God has done and what Christ has done. And that's why in the Old Testament, God gives to the Israelites these festivals that they come together to celebrate every single year. Because they and we so easily forget. It's because we forget that we need to be reminded And to build this repository of knowledge and remembrances about who God is and about what God has done. Fred Craddock is one of my favorite preachers. I would suspect he's probably in his 80s by now. But I would would drive a long ways to hear him preach. He taught for a long time at Candler School of Theology at Emory University. And I heard him... I heard him tell one time about going to visit a woman in the church where he was, that he was a part of. And he went to pray with her. She was going to have surgery the next day. So he went to the hospital to pray with her. And he said the minute he walked in the room, he could tell that she was not doing well. Just her body language. She had the sheets in her hands and they were all clenched up. And she was twisting them around. And her face was just filled with anxiety and worry and fear. And he walked in the room and said, oh, I'm so glad you're here. Please, I need you to pray with me. Please pray with me. And he said, well, that, that's why I came. That's why I'm here. And he said, he looked over at the, at the nightstand next to her bed, and there was probably a stack of magazines 12, 15 inches high. And, you know, the uh, National Enquirer and the Daily Mirror and the TV this and, you know, entertainment that and, and all these things. He said there were probably 15, 18 magazines there, and in his words, not two calories in the whole bunch. And he said, I realize no wonder she's so nervous and fearful and anxious. If that's what she is putting into her mind and and, and filling her mind with. And it doesn't mean that we can't read secular things or that we can't read for entertainment. But what's the primary thing that's infusing, we're putting into our minds. He says, I stood there by her bed and I was contemplating this this interesting picture, I was reminded to back when I was in Sunday school. I remember Miss Emma Sloan was our Sunday school teacher 
And she said, he said, honestly, she wasn't a very good teacher. He said, I would say she was unsuccessful. All we did in Sunday school was just memorize scripture. And we did it by, by the alphabet. So we come in, we memorize the scripture, tell it to her. and We memorize another scripture and tell it to her. Said, that was Sunday school. That's all we did. Just trying to keep nine and ten-year-old rowdy boys some semblance of, of, of doing something good. He said, I thought at the time, this is ridiculous. We're not gaining anything. But he said, you know, 50 years later, I can remember A, soft word turns away wrath. B, be kind one to another. C, come unto me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. D, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. E, every good and perfect gift comes from above. F, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. G, God is love. So I can't even begin to tell you how many times I've been sitting in a waiting room or on a plane or driving my car and those scriptures come rushing back to my mind and I am filled with peace And joy and hope. Because I'm remembering who God is and what God has done. And one of the ways in which God has helped us to remember is this table. Jesus says to his disciples, and Paul quotes it in the passage we read this morning. Every time you do this. Do it in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. This table is about the the reality of trusting God. That we can trust him because we know who he is. And we remember what he has done. And we come to this table Because we remember that Christ has gone to the cross for us. And that Christ has risen from the dead. And Christ is coming back for us. And at this table, we remember. And in remembering, no matter what we're dealing with in our lives, we are filled with a sense of God's presence, His joy, His peace, His grace, His mercy. We remember that God is for us and that God is good. And no matter what we are dealing with, we know that in Christ, God is enough. So what kind of of repository of memories are you building? Based on the priorities of our lives, how we spend our time and give our energy, and how our lives are focused, what kind of memory bank about God are we developing and building? As we come to the table this morning, remember who Christ is. Remember what Christ has done and give thanks. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks today.
for all that you have done for us and in us as your people. You have created all things. You are the sovereign over all things. You are our light and our salvation. Before the mountains were brought forth, or before you formed the earth, you alone are God. Father, you you sent Christ into this world. And through him, we have known you. Your grace, your mercy, your justice, your peace. In Christ, we see how deeply you identified with us as sinners. He preached good news to the poor and proclaimed release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind. He set free the oppressed and announced that the time had come when you would save your people. And today we give you thanks. Father, we pray that you would help us to remember all of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ. And as we remember, give us grace to sacrifice ourselves anew to you. Let us be living and holy, let us surrender ourselves as living and holy sacrifices. And we pray, Father, that as we receive the bread and the cup, as we eat and drink, we will once again perhaps for the first time, remember what you've done for us in Christ and be changed. We pray this through his grace. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, meeting with his disciples, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat, for this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night, he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. This morning, we're going to distribute the elements to you in your seats. As the trays of, trays of bread are passed, take a piece and hold on to it until everyone has received a piece of bread. And then we will eat together. And we'll do the same with the cup. As we... As, as the elements are being distributed, we're going to sing together. We're going to sing together about what God has done for us in Christ and his love and his grace to us. 
that even as we receive these elements, we will remember. I like to mention that we practice open communion at the Western Church. This might be the first time that you've ever worshipped here. But if you come today with your heart open to God, with the desire in your heart for, for God's grace in your life and a desire to follow Him, then you are wholeheartedly invited to receive these gifts in the gracious and loving hand of our Heavenly Father. Morning by morning, I wake up to find the power and comfort of God's hand in mine. Season by season, I watch Him amazed in awe of the mystery of His perfect ways. His hand will provide He's always been faithful to me Please sing with us I can't remember A trial or a pain He did not recycle To bring me gain I can't remember one single regret in serving God only and trusting His hand. All I have need of His hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. remembrance and thanksgiving for all that God has done for us in Christ, the body of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Behold the Lamb who bears our sins away, slain for us. And we remember the promise made that all who come in faith find forgiveness at the cross. So we share in this bread of life, and we drink of his sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of peace around the table of the King. body of our Savior, Jesus Christ, torn for you. Eat and remember the wounds that heal, the death that brings us life. Pay the price to make us one. stain of sin shed for you. Drink and remember, he drained us cup that all may enter in to receive the life of God. So we share in this bread of life.
in remembrance of all that God has done for us in Christ, let us drink with thanksgiving.
receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.